0: Step out of the everyday world and take a journey into the Mystical Underground.
1: Welcome to the Mystical Underground. Thank you for joining us. This is Rob McGregor and Trish McGregor and our producer and tech magician, John Posey. You can go to themysticalunderground.com, where we make regular blog posts, and where you can find out about our books. Our most recent nonfiction book is Phenomena: Harnessing Psychic Abilities. Patricia's latest novel is Skin Shifters. Rob's latest novel is Tool Puzz. We also have a new book coming out soon called The Shift: Reports from the Mystical Underground.
2: Okay, our guest today is Christine Clawley who received her M.A. from Pacifica Graduate Institute in 2015 and became a licensed professional counselor in Colorado in 2018. She's currently a clinician in private practice and has a Jungian and death-oriented practice in Arizona, I think, now, that helps clients heal from traumatic experiences as well as supports individuals who have also had near-death experiences or other spiritually transformative experiences. After overcoming the life threatening necrotizing facetitis, I didn't pronounce that right, <laughs> at age 24, she embarked on a journey of healing and self understanding through exploring various holistic techniques, including a mindfulness practice, meditation, yoga, self hypnosis, and indigenous healing modalities. Prior to contracting his illness, she had many dreams and messages that foreshadowed her illness. While spending nearly a month in a medically induced coma, she had many dreams that mirrored what was happening to her on a physical, emotional, and spiritual level. Upon awakening from the coma, she experienced increased intuition, empathy, and an increased frequency of lucid and precognitive dreams. These experiences have led her to research topics related to near-death experiences, consciousness, non-ordinary reality, synchronicity, dreaming, and shamanism. Welcome, Christine. Welcome, Christine. So so we met
1: you when you and your partner, Tony, were filming a movie on synchronicity, uh, you two were traveling around the country in a van with your cat and showed up at our door to interview us. Uh, where, I think that was like 2018. Yeah. Uh, so where are things now in the movie process?
3: Yes. Well, I just want to thank you both, Rob and Trish, for inviting me on the show. And I'm such a fan of your work. And um, yes, 2018, Uh, Into 2019 was a very magical time for my partner, Tony, and I. Um, We uh, decided to uh, travel the U.S. um, in a travel trailer, uh, gathering interviews, uh, meeting with family, and also just exploring this vast landscape uh, in the U.S. So um, we are still gathering a few more interviews. I have one or two left. And then we'll be moving into the interview, or the excuse me, editing phase of uh, this process. But we're very excited to move into that phase. Tony's going to be um, producing music as well. We're going to be oh, collaborating great. with some others um, visually. So, so we're excited.
2: Oh, this sounds great. Yeah, it sounds interesting. What was okay? Tell us what was the synchronicity that led to the film idea.
3: Well, I I wouldn't. As I come to research synchronicity, I'm realizing more and more that there's usually not just one synchronicity, but many synchronicities. <laughs> this is true. On the way. <laughs> and all pointing you, you know, on, I guess, your path. Um, so there were multiple synchronicities. This has been something, obviously, I've been interested in since I started having precognitive dreams and synchronicities. Uh, But the the collaboration began uh, when I was in grad school in California, and uh, I was at a coffee shop uh, putting together researching um, my thesis, which was about my near-death experience and synchronicity. And I had a chance encounter with someone else who is in the film industry. His name is Tom Haynes, and he's a collaborator. And he had also been exploring the topic of synchronicity. Oh. So that's really what got this whole idea started. And then uh, you know, my partner has um, technical abilities to work the camera. He, uh, had experienced increasing synchronicities around um, his father's illness, which is another thing we'll talk about later. The okay. connection between synchronicity and after-death communication or um, that non-ordinary reality. So, mm. so that's the beginning of that. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So uh, who have you interviewed uh, for your film?
3: So, yeah, I think I'll take a little bit of time to mentioned who I've interviewed of course um, both of you so Rob and Trish McGregor (laughs) you've written books I have to insert this in seven secrets of uh, synchronicity synchronicity in the other side the synchronicity highway (laughs) so that was a phenomenal interview Robert Moss who uh, has written many books on synchronicity the dreamers book of the dead Mm -hmm. um, secret history of dreaming Many other books. Uh, Dr. Eric Wargo, who is an anthropologist and science writer in the D.C. area, and he's written two excellent books. One is On Time Loops, the other Dreamwork, and The Long Self. And he has an interesting theory about uh, retrocausation, which I might touch on later. Uh, Dr. Bernard Beitman, Mm -hmm. Psychiatrist founder of the Coincidence Project and author of Connecting Coincidence. Uh, Joseph Cambray, Dr. Joseph Cambray. he uh, is dean of Pacifica Graduate Institute and author of another book, Synchronicity, Nature, and the Psyche in an Interconnected Universe. Hmm. Uh, I thought you were going to say Joseph Campbell. <laughs> I was say, that, that would be great. That would be that
2: a good interview.
1: <laughs>
3: Uh, yes. So, and, and I'll mention a few others. Um, Dr. Gary Swart, Swartz, um, he's a director of the Laboratory for Advances in Consciousness and Health in Tucson, Arizona, and author of Super Synchronicity. Um, Andrew Paquette, who's written a, a book, Dreamer, 20 oh. years ago. Oh. Yeah, we know Andy. <laughs> yes psychic dreams and how they changed my life and there are others. So this is a really exciting time. And I do think um, we're going through a collective uh, paradigm shift in how we relate to time. So, Mm -hmm. yeah,
2: you know, I had to, I had to Google necrotizing fasciitis. Okay. So if I had to Google, explain for our listeners what it is and how you contracted it. And is that why you were in a medically induced coma for a month?
3: Yes, absolutely. So it's actually known as necrotizing fasciitis or the flesh-eating bacteria. So it's a very scary-sounding illness, and it was very scary and serious. So um, many times people will contract this illness, and it's extremely rapidly spreading. So one might cut their finger or feel like they have the flu. And then um, it just spreads very rapidly, eating away the tissue, muscles, sometimes organs. Mm -hmm. So Uh a lot of times when people contract this illness, they may have to to amputate, you know, limbs. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Yes. For myself, the infection started in my throat and spread down to my chest and even down to my torso. Mm -hmm. So very very um life-threatening um for those that are sensitive you know i don't want to go uh in too much detail but (laughs) i had to have multiple multiple operations and i was kept in a medically induced coma for nearly a month just um every day fighting for my life and Hmm. um the hyperbaric oxygen chamber, which is kind of a, a newer treatment for that infection, saved my life, along with the team uh-huh. of doctors and nurses. So, uh-huh.
2: um, yeah. What was what was the advantage of putting you in a coma for the treatment?
3: Well, it was obviously very um, painful for me because they had to open my neck and chest up multiple times, open you know, uh, clear out the infection. They had a wound back in my chest and then they would close me up. It would come back. So at a certain point they had to keep me in that medically induced coma. I was on a, I was intubated. So on a breathing tube mm-hmm. and, um, by the time this was all over with, I was down to, you know, under 90 pounds. Uh, so
1: nice. you did know, you lose your was, voice as well?
3: Oh, yes. I, Completely lost my voice. I could not talk. Could not breathe on my own. That was an incredible struggle to learn how to breathe. Could not eat. Could not walk. Could not do anything on my own, that and must I have did been, not know.
1: Yeah, that mm-hmm. must have been really scary, though. Just the the idea that you might not be able to talk again. I mean, that's yeah, or walk, or walk. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <but. clears throat> hmm.
3: But, you know, I do take the perspective now looking back that in some ways it was a spiritual initiation. And for me, this illness has been transformative on so many different levels, but it's also helped me understand the importance of using one's voice and Mm, uh, communication uh, because I could not communicate with my family um, and there were several times where I was having allergic reactions, or I was ex- in extreme pain, and I began using. They brought in a little handheld typewriter. That was how I first uh-huh. began to communicate to my family because so, I did not know what happened to me, uh, you know, okay. when I woke from the coma. So it's been a now, journey. You you also had okay. You said
2: you had some precognitive dreams of, that foreshadowed this condition. Like what what were the context of those dreams?
3: Yes, so um, I'm actually going to bring out my thesis here too and <laughs> read a quote. Uh, so I had multiple dreams going back uh, six months um, prior to my illness, where I would wake up having these extremely vivid nightmares that I was being strangled by this angry um, Indigenous-looking woman. And Hmm. I would wake up almost feeling, you know, like handprints around my neck. It was very shocking. And there's one particular entry in my dream journal, which I think is symbolic in many different ways. But I said December 2007. So my illness was February 2008. Uh I saw the, the girl again last night. She seems to be a part of me, this Native American girl who haunts my dreams. Mm. She seems so real. It feels as though she is warning me. And then I see the red shirt and I hate it and I don't want to wear it. Mm. So that red shirt is interesting. I think there's some different meanings here. One literal meaning could be, you know, the infection. I lost a lot of blood. Um, mm-hmm. My my chest was open with that wound back. Uh, it was, you know. Yeah, very <coughs> dramatic, and I had that sense of shock, you know, with this dream, yeah. but I've mm. also been very attracted to, um, you know, Native American spirituality, the Red Road, and red is a very important color in in that tradition, and um, so that's another way of possibly interpreting that as well, but also, Jung's again, red. Book. yes, yes,
2: mm-hmm.
3: so with uh, dreams okay. and synchronicities, you had- I think...
2: You had during this whole period. You had inklings of another life on a slave ship. I found that
3: absolutely fascinating. Yes, yes, yes. So more than happy to to go to that. So while I was in the medically induced coma, um, it felt like I lived out entire lifetimes while I was in that coma. Wow. Um, they had me on heavy duty medication, you know, keeping me asleep, and it felt like I was, you know living out, as I said, other, other lives. And I had three big dreams while I was in the coma and the particular dream you're referencing was a turning point for me. Mm -hmm. Um, In this dream, I was maybe 40, 50 year old uh, Asian woman on this. I had lived most of my life on this massive, massive wooden ship. And I had a lot of self-loathing. Um, I was extremely depressed and hopeless because I was not only um, a sex slave, uh, but I had my role was to bring other women into that trade, and so we were all slaves, and we were not allowed to talk to one another. And again, there was just this feeling of uh, hopelessness, isolation, desperation. But there was a moment in that dream where I uh, connected, I locked eyes with this other Asian woman, and we, even though we weren't allowed, see I'm gonna get emotional telling this story, uh, we weren't allowed to talk. I, there was this, a deep sense of empathy and soul knowing, and I recognized her as my actual sister from this oh, nice. life. Mm-hmm. And that is when everything in that dream began to change just from that heart to heart connection with my sister. We began planning our escape. We began, <clears throat> excuse me, liberating other women. And I believe that marked also a turn in my illness as well. Hmm.
2: So, mm. so w- uh, that's fascinating, uh, though, that that the, it, you couldn't communicate. And that's what was going on with you.
3: Right. Wow, I've never made that connection mm-hmm. to yeah. yes. yes,
2: do you have any idea what uh,
1: time frame that uh slave ship uh life was uh, taking place in?
3: I don't know entirely yeah. you know, that it it felt like a different time period, uh-huh. but you know one thing about this experience i you know when you have a dream that is so real. Um, of another lifetime, or of someone in another country, it expands your sense of empathy. Uh-huh. So this this dream for me too has, you know, made me more interested in the topic of human trafficking, of sex slavery, um, which are you know big issues today that are still not talked about as much as uh-huh. I, you know would hope. Yeah. So it could be, you know, this dream was also uh, sparking this this um, kind of humanitarian drive that I have to also help women, you know, Mm who suffered from sexual assault or other types of abuse. too. Right. You know, it's interesting. Andy Paquette,
2: in uh, one of his dreams, also lived. He he saw another life where he was. Remember when he told. Yeah, he
1: said he he felt he lived this entire life. Right.
2: I felt it was a six-week period in this other in this other life. Yeah,
1: that's right. It was a six-week period he lived during this dream, one night's dream.
3: Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I I am a believer in the theory of maybe past lives or simultaneous time or lives. I mean, it's it's. I'm convinced at this point, just because
1: yeah. of my own experience. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that's ship experience. That that's could have it. taken place in another dimension, uh, not necessarily our, the past, uh, you know, in a linear time sense, but, uh, you know, elsewhere, but, but yet totally linked to your current life. Yeah.
2: And to your current and to what was going on. Yeah. Well, okay. So when you were, when you had your NDE, what, what, what did you experience? I mean, you always hear about the tunnel of light and, you know, not that everybody has that.
1: (laughs) First one was that, was that while you were in the coma when you had the NDE?
3: Well, and here's the thing. So, I mean, the NDE experience, I didn't uh, by the book necessarily have Uh an NDE because I didn't clinically die. Mm
2: -hmm. However,
3: I do remember, um, and I had after the fact about two years later um a sudden experience where i relived uh that experience of being in a coma and this intense struggle um this feeling of being in tremendous amount of pain feeling like i'm being tortured being unable to scream really because it was so horrendous what was happening to me and there was this moment Uh, where I completely surrendered to the experience and the pain. And in that moment, I felt myself just completely, it's almost like uh, just love, warmth, and peace wrapping Mm -hmm. all around you. And I, in that moment, realized that there is no death, that it was okay for me to let go. Mm-hmm. And I do also believe again that that was kind of a turning point and surrendering um somehow I chose to come back, you know to to this reality, to this life on earth. And following that experience, I had all all of the classical kind of n d e um touchstones, you know, dramatic uh-huh. change and and relationships to family, life path, increased empathy. Precognitive psychic experiences and it was very very hard to an- integrate not only did i have ptsd from you know the hospitalization right but now i was a completely different person um, in so huh. it took time to integrate
2: and this yeah. happened in what 2008 in
3: 2008 yes uh-huh. so i'm still integrating the experience and yeah I can interestingly see why. Enough. Um, I've had a real gift happen to me this year where um, I have begun a precognitive dream collaboration with someone. And this is a very interesting story. She reached out to me um, after finding out about the film. And Uh interestingly enough, she also uh, began having precognitive dreams exactly 20 years, um, almost to the day prior to my uh, initiation into having precognitive dreams. And she lived right next door to me. What? 20 <laughs> years prior in that same house where I got ill. Wow. And we are finding that our dreams have been communicating with each other across time and space, mm-hmm. you know, even though we are different ages um, and we're helping kind of piece these different pieces together. Huh. Why this happened, what the meaning is, Um, so it's, it's exciting. It's, you know, even though this is, this was a traumatic experience, again, I think there can be tremendous spiritual gifts from facing crises, um, or challenges like this. It's like a shamanic initiation. And I, I do resonate with that idea of the, you know, shamanic dismemberment, um, and this you know, connection to the spirit world or or feeling like you're living in two different worlds or two Uh different times. I I can relate to that. Yeah. You
1: said you had, you said you had uh, precognitive dreams that foreshadowed your illness, that you were uh, having these before you became uh, sick? Yeah, that was about the woman in red. Oh, that, Yeah.
3: In addition to that, though, I did have a dream that I had a cyst behind my vocal cords. Mm -hmm. Uh And in this lucid dream, I was trying to remove that. And that is where the infection began from the cyst behind Uh my vocal cords. So that's one example. You know, Mm precognitive dreams, I believe, can show up very literally, um, very specific information or symbolically. And I do believe that both types of dreams were precognitive. Did you explain these to uh, Andy? I
2: was just curious.
3: No, not
2: yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'd be curious to hear what he has to say because it, it's, it's hard to explain anything to Andy. he, <laughs> he, he, he
1: is uh, one flow of energy. God, he really uh, and he's interesting though. Yeah, he's fast, but it's hard to get in a in a. Que- I don't think <laughs> yeah. we had to ask many questions to Andy. <laughs> 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 yes.
3: did, Andy did you actually said. meet him in person? No, we just did a virtual Uh um, interview for now. Mm
2: -hmm. Because he really does live in two worlds.
3: (laughs) Yes, yes. And, you know, a a part of my goal, too, is I work in the mental health field. And Mm -hmm. um, there's different types of environments that really um, uh, cultivate this experience of synchronicity or vertical time, mythical time. Mm -hmm. And traveling is one Therapy is another one, healing ceremonies. But, you know, many of my clients have incredible synchronicities, uh, dreams, and it goes both ways. You know, I'm influenced by the client. The client is uh-huh. influenced by myself. But having mm-hmm. that intention of healing and this ability to engage with time and space and meaning in a different way allows, um, you know, I think this this deepening to happen. So, um, so that's my goal is to try to take, you know, there's a pathology, um, often associated with these experiences of, you know, precognitive dreaming, synchronicity, mm-hmm. mystical experiences, you know, that within the mental health field can be considered a psychosis, hallucinations yeah, right. <laughs> Um, yeah. but I'm, my aim is to, you know, change the language around this. There can be amazing gifts that come out of trauma. And, um, you know, this is something that we need to create a space collectively within our society to honor. And my hope was with, you know, the COVID-19, this global uh, pandemic, that this could be uh, a global type of NDE experience, Uh a collective experience where we honor, you know, the mythic the spiritual again, because we have, again, kind of pathologized or demonized because it doesn't fit in with current, you know.
1: Right. There's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of people who hear voices and it all depends on how you're reacting to the voices. Some people, you know, are, they're, Terrible experiences for them, and you know they're the ones that are labeled psychotic. And then there's other people who use these
2: voices as guidance. Uh,
1: you know, mm-hmm. so it's this.
2: yeah. In fact, Chris Mackey, you know, who's in the Coincidence Project, he's a clinical psychologist in an Australia, and he focuses on the positive aspects of synchronicity. I mean, he you'll have to talk to him. <laughs> you two have a lot mm-hmm. in
3: common. Yeah. Great. Absolutely, I do think there can be um, kind of a positive or a darker side of Mm -hmm. synchronicity, if it's okay to say that. Yeah, that's Um, fine. I was recently talking with another my collaborator about um, I think it was the Cecil Hotel, um, the Elisa Lamb case, and in that I think it's Netflix series. There's so many synchronicities, you know, involved with this woman's um, mysterious death and again you know we have to kind of make meaning of these experiences not just brush them under the rug um, right but yeah but but really look at them what was that what was the name of that Netflix Um, let, let me uh, just pull it up here yeah
2: I was just I'm not familiar with that
3: oh it is called crime scene, the vanishing oh. at the Cecil hotel. And it okay. is
2: on Netflix. Yeah. Okay, we haven't seen that one. Yeah, So,
1: uh, yes, dark, darker synchronicity oh. are often the tricksters that, yes. uh, <laughs> you know, th- that, uh, occur that, you know, I can't, can you think of any Well,
2: yeah, I can. I mean, the thing about the time traveler when we were at that Scottish festival. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, like oh here's your confirmation and then it turns out to be bogus <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, so wow. it, can, it, can, it can work both ways yeah. mm-hmm. so but uh synchronicity you had that was a very positive one as you found uh, a book that, yeah, about your dad this is- yeah that um, brought about a precognition that saved your father's life tell us about that
3: yes uh, absolutely so um I was visiting a dear friend in California, and, you know, we were in a bookstore exploring before I was going to hop on my plane back, and, you know, these experiences seem almost dreamlike when they happen, Mm -hmm. and that's how this was. It just felt like I was drawn to this book, almost like it was glowing, and I I have too many books. I was trying to (laughs) rationalize, saying, no, I I don't need another book, but... I went ahead and got it and it was, um, Eldon Taylor. Uh, he's, um, I believe a psychologist and studies hypnotherapy. Um, and it's called mind programming. And so I got this book, I was, you know, voraciously reading it on the plane, almost done with it. And I get to this particular passage in a chapter and I just get this kind of maybe inner knowing inner voice that just says, okay, you know, just stop, close the book, just sit with what you read in this chapter and in this chapter the author was talking about um a life-saving synchronicity where his wife just happened to mention for some reason that the sensation of burning lungs she just read this on a box of cereal (laughs) can mean you're having a heart attack and um i don't think the author had told his wife that or maybe he had i can't remember the detail but he was recognizing, Oh my gosh, I'm having that symptom, you know, burning lungs Mm. went to the hospital and, you know, he had his heart, you know, that saved his life, um, heart surgery. And so I just read this and I'd never heard, you know, that burning lungs can mean you're having a heart attack. I I mean, it's not something they really teach you. Usually you hear the left, um, arm sensation kind of, but anyhow so my dad was picking me up from the airport and he looks pale and he's going oh my gosh the pollution in denver my lungs are burning cuz they're from the springs and uh you know i just went oh my gosh i had read literally 15 20 minutes ago that that can be a sign of a heart attack mm-hmm. and of course i'd say this and and he's like oh no 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 But, you know, he asked me to drive, so he gets in the passenger side, and I basically have to fight him and go against, you know, hey, let's just go back to the Springs, and I drive him to an ER. Hmm. And We go in and, you know, they admit him even though they're kind of like, you know, uh, skeptical sometimes um, Mm -hmm. about something really being wrong. And he had a 99% blockage in one of his major arteries. They had to operate on him right then. And so if we hadn't taken him in, he would have had a major, major heart attack. So, mm. so is, he, was, is he a believer in synchronicity now? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that was actually like a synchronicity within a synchronicity because <laughs> the author had the same experience yeah, reading it on a uh, uh, serial Box and had the experience, and then the, you related that to your father. Yeah, I'd
2: never heard about that burning <laughs> yeah, box. Yeah, fascinating. Yes.
3: And that does seem to be how this this works. Um, you know, that there, it's kind of magnified. And Gary Schwartz, I think he has a different theory. He has a word, uh, super synchronicity, for you know, I think ten different synchronicities around one thing. I mean, yeah. it, it really does come in degrees and the more powerful the event or the more important it seems like the more synchronicities occur. What do you think triggers synchronicities? Well, so that's a really good question. I think we can uh, ignore synchronicities and Mm -hmm. kind of block that experience out. And I think there are certain practices that, um, that work with the phenomenon of synchronicity. So there's, you know, all kinds of different divination systems, tarot, runes, um, sprying. And, you know, these are practices that are ancient and have been around for a long time. And it's really acknowledging um, that, you know, we, we think of chronological time and this ordering system, linear time, being more important than the meaning and connections between certain events we're we're very conditioned to think of time in terms of and the the world you know uh, around us in terms of cause and effect, uh-huh. cause and effect. Mm-hmm. but synchronicity is is a more empowered way of living from my opinion it's mm-hmm. looking at um it's looking at the universe as if it's alive it's something right. we mm-hmm. engage in rather than being, you know, this um, kind of, you know, dead um, universe without without life. So right. in, in, in engaging with the phenomena of synchronicity dreams and, and this way of uh, noticing patterns, connecting meaning, um, yeah, it, it, it opens up. Uh, possibilities solutions to problems that seem otherwise impossible to solve Mm -hmm. so i think it may be engaging in you know maybe other dimensions or higher levels of consciousness and that allows us to transcend time and space and is very powerful Mm
2: -hmm. yeah i often wonder if if synchronicity is becoming if people are more open to it now because we are because the paradigm is shifting
1: yeah. And also, just when you talk about synchronicity like we are doing and you think about it, you write about it, they just happen all the time, yeah. uh, much uh, more than if you're... Uh, if you're not aware of synchronicity, they don't really exist. I talked to one guy who I told him about synchronicity, and uh, he, he thought about that and got back to me He said, and he told me, yes, I've had one in my life. You know, I said, one, one?
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> And he went at great length, and none of that made sense to me, but <laughs> it was important to him. Uh, but mm-hmm. just the fact that we're talking to you now, that's a synchronicity, too, because um, you know, Trish ran into you on a synchronicity... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: right. <laughs> At the Coincidence Cafe, I think it was.
3: Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we, got,
2: was we got teamed up. That, yeah. yeah, which yes. I, I thought, wait a minute, this one looks really familiar to me. <laughs> and then we started talking about precognition, and you said, oh, yeah, I have your book. I thought, oh my
3: God, of course. This is Christine who came <laughs> yeah. to our house. <laughs> yes, yeah, so okay. even if time passes, you know, there's still this. Um, there's still this underlying force or energy or something that uh, allows for certain events or people to connect. And I just find it fascinating. I love it. I mean,
2: yeah, I mean, that was, what, three three years ago we were here. Mm -hmm. So now it's like it came full loop, you know. Yes. Okay, since you and Tony were traveling around the country filming your movie on synchronicity, what kind of synchronicities happened on this trip? You must
3: have tons of them. (laughs) We do. And it's so hard to, you know, um, pick one. There were so many, you know, it's almost like, I mean, meeting you, for instance, that led to connecting with Dr. Bernard Byman, going to Casa Grande. So what I love about, um, you know, stepping outside the normal nine to five and doing something like traveling is you're open. You're open to the world. You're open to meeting new people. So for us, um, you know, That's the synchronicity highway. <laughs> that's the synchronicity highway, yes. <laughs> and for us, it was really about connecting with um, friends, family. Um, we are really into history, um, the history of the U.S., ancient indigenous cultures. Mm-hmm. So we spent a lot of time traveling to, you know, sacred indigenous sites. And, um, you know, one Thing that I want to talk about a little bit is one reason why we decided to um, travel. And part of it was for the documentary, um, but another part of it was to honor his father. And so his father passed of terminal uh, brain cancer, and there was a lot of synchronicities around that. And one goal that his dad had, he was just on the verge of retirement, was to travel around the U.S. you know, wow. in an RV with his son. And so, you know, we, we decided to do that to honor his his father and there was a lot of synchronicities with that as well. His dad was um he taught at um taught robotics um for the army and he was, you know, very scientific, rationally based man, but uh five years prior to his death exactly, he had an experience where he was whoops he was sitting at his desk. It was, uh, February, um, 14th. Uh, and the light on his uh, desk just goes out and then it Mm. turns back on and then it goes out and then it turns back on and he, it goes out one more time. He sits there in silence and kind of, you know, feels a presence and then it turns back on and he realized that that was, um, almost exactly the time that his father had passed away February wow. huh. and his father ended up you know contracting this illness and died exactly um five years later February 14th geez um so there was synchronicities around numbers synchronicities around that and then mm. when we went to go visit his memorial in um south Myrtle Beach South Carolina uh-huh. Uh, that was one of our spots we hit. Um, we, you know, kind of said a little prayer. Um, I offered some tobacco because I, I believe <laughs> in that. Um, and interestingly enough, I have a connection with hawks. That's an important um, oh. animal for me. Two hawks are circling above. One drops a pine cone, and then the second one drops a pine cone right where wow. we were
2: standing. <laughs> That's incredible.
3: So, you know, and there are so many other synchronicities, you know, that I could go into, but that—that's just one because I do feel like with COVID going on, with so many people losing their loved ones, mm-hmm. it's a reassurance to have those signs from loved ones who have passed on. Mm.
2: Yeah.
3: Well, maybe he was on the trip with you. Maybe he was. <laughs> you know, in
2: spirit, um, it's very possible. Absolutely. So, Christine, when you uh, complete
1: your. Movie, uh, do you have any plans, uh, any uh, connections or how how you're uh, going to distribute the movie? Uh, and w- how does that process work, having never we made are, a movie?
3: Yes, we are learning as we go and we are trusting. Yeah. And um, Tony has some friends uh, with connections. I have some friends with connections, too. So we will see. Um, But if not, you know, if it isn't picked up, then we will just self-publish, you know. Take it on on the road. Take it on the road. Um, You know, one thing about synchronicity, and I I find myself at times getting impatient. This project (laughs) has taken a while. I have a private practice, but this is really my passion. But a part of that is not rushing things. And a part Uh of that is trusting that things will unfold in the right divine time, which you know can be a challenge. But but that that's what we're trusting that things will line up and we'll complete it. You know when it when it's supposed to be mm. completed. How,
2: how come you uh, settled in Tucson? That, well, that,
3: that was involved, recently. <laughs> <laughs> yes, other synchronicities. So prior prior to living in Tucson, we lived in one of the coldest places in, in uh, Colorado called the San Luis Valley, which is a very beautiful, magical place. There's actually quite a few books written on the Native American history, um, paranormal UFO sightings in that area. Uh-huh. And it's quite a beautiful place. But extremely cold can get down to negative 40 you know at like oh night God. in the winter <laughs> and and we loved the landscape i met some amazing friends lifelong connections there but we were ready for something new
2: uh-huh. and
3: uh right before the pandemic hit my partner had had a job offer here my cousin lived out here And the state of Arizona just offered reciprocity for licensed professional counselors. So there was kind of multiple different things pushing us in this way. Warmer weather, (laughs) closer to some folks in California that I have connections with. So um, it's been phenomenal since we've moved here. And um, I just I feel very much at home. It's such a neat mix of cultures. You have Hispanic, Native American. Uh We're an hour from the border so um it's it's been yeah just really really wonderful.
2: So you found your spot. <laughs> yeah, we
3: found our spot. Yeah. <laughs> That's
2: yeah. great. So, so you so you
1: you mentioned in passing there UFOs uh, since our podcast now appears on Unknown Whitley Strieber's Unknown Country uh, website I have to ask you if have, you, have <laughs> you had any UFO experiences?
3: Oh dear. I usually (laughs) shy away from this question, but I will tell you one of the most profound experiences I've had. Love it. Um, So following my illness, um, I lived with my family for about six months. um, And, you know, it was very hard recovering, uh, very hard regaining strength, healing physically, emotionally, Mm -hmm. psychologically. And I would go out on this canyon right next to my parents' house and just sit there and, and meditate and kind of pray. And interestingly, I would often have sightings of this pure white albino hawk that would wow. you know, just circle above me. Again, I guess that's you know another start to this circling mm-hmm. hawk productions in this film so that that was a very hopeful experience, um even though i struggled and and you know I had a lot of pain in my chest from all the operations, and I would wake up from my dreams, going, "Oh my gosh, no, that really happened to me i' you know, I'm still coming to terms with it and one night, I had this deeply healing, physically, emotionally, psychologically, dream, where I was lucid dreaming um, or astral traveling, and I was flying over our planet. And as I looked down at the earth, I could see these orange um, lights from within the earth that would come up towards me and hit my chest, and it was like a healing on my heart because... I had also had a heart attack while in the hospital and I could feel this orange energy, just healing me pulse after Mm. pulse. When I woke from this dream for three days, I was in this state of it felt like just cosmic consciousness, just totally peaceful, happy, um, Mm. no sense of time. And I think it was one or two days after this experience, um, you know, I, I just had this feeling to go out on my balcony and right over the canyon, there were, was this, um, I, I don't know exactly what it was, I can't say, it was it, it was a larger object, it looked like, um, with these orange lights and a pyramid shape, exactly huh. the color I had seen in my dreams. Wow. And the, these lights would start as a pinpoint and then they would expand and grow larger And they would turn on from bottom to top, and they would shut off. And my father was a witness to this, um, interestingly enough, so that was nice to have some Hmm. other confirmation. But Hmm. I, you know, there did feel, it did feel like some kind of confirmation, and it's not something I can explain, Uh um, and I don't know what it is, but it felt connected to my dreams, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. We know
2: this Preston Dennett, who has written a number of books about UFOs, he says that one of the primary purposes of these visitors is to heal people. So anytime I hear something like what you just said, I'm thinking, okay, that's, you know, that yeah. that follows along yeah. with Preston's yeah. And uh,
1: Also, we've found that there's connections between synchronicities and UFOs and alien contacts as well. We've written about that. Uh, and actually experienced it once ourselves, uh, which kind of humorously we uh, we had a UFO experience while we were passing through the town of Jupiter,
2: <laughs>
3: Jupiter, oh, Florida. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the synchronicity. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Wow! And plus, and I... there was another guy there. Yeah,
1: there, yeah, there's oh. another guy. Freaking out, (laughs) wow!
2: He he was on the phone with his girlfriend. He goes, You're not gonna believe this. This this is the most incredible thing. There are eight lights in the sky, and he goes on and on. And it was just what we were saying, too. (laughs) Uh,
3: You know, and interestingly enough, now that you bring it up, my partner had an experience in Canyon of the Ancients, um, in Colorado, a beautiful, beautiful place. But he, we were camped out in the middle of nowhere, just beautiful, beautiful, you know, sky. And he saw this dark object, um, you know, in, again, in front of the canyon, uh, just slowly move on by. Huh. Um, very, very interesting.
2: That's. Yeah. There's so much we don't know. So, Christine, when are you writing a book?
3: <laughs> I would love to write a book. When I have time, that <laughs> is definitely going to happen. And, and this person I'm collaborating with is really helping aid in that process. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah. So, so hopefully soon. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has
2: just been great, and I can't wait until your movie comes yeah. out. Please let us, you know, k- keep us posted on the
3: Looking progress. Yeah.
2: We'll, we'd Absolutely. love to have you back.
3: Yeah. Thank you so much. Wonderful to talk with you both. Again. Yeah. Wonderful talk to
2: talk to, to you, you too. And
3: please tell Tony hi.
2: And your kitty. Oh. You still have that cat? <laughs> yes, we do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> great. That's so great. great. The cat who travels around the country. Okay. That's so cool. Yes.
3: She's still still doing well. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's
2: good. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, and please tell people where they can find you, your website, your work.
3: Oh, sure. My website is lucidawakening.com. And then the film, uh, there, we have a little trailer under Circling Hawk Productions.
2: Ah, okay. I like that title. That sure. The company, is that the, that's great. Circling
1: hawk. Yeah. Sounds like it might be a good name for our podcast too. Circling hawk,
2: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Good good idea.
2: (laughs) Well, listen, take care. Have a good good weekend, what's left of it, and stay safe. Thank you. You too. Talk to you soon. Bye
1: now. Take care.
2: Take care. Bye.
3: Bye.
0: Thanks for joining the mystical underground. Visit www.themysticalunderground.com for the latest blog post and book info. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Listen to the podcast at podcast.themysticalunderground.com. Follow Trish and Rob on Instagram at Trish and Rob McGregor. Follow us on Twitter at The Mystic Cast. Send email to podcast at themysticalunderground.com. And until next week, thank you for listening and stay mystical.